appreciate the songs this evening. They go right along with the message, and I appreciate Daniel's flexibility. I know if pastor asked me to sing a song like that, it'd either be uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb or Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. One of those two. I know those ones off by heart, but uh, appreciate that. Psalm 27, we're going to start reading in verse 1, where it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise, should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire at his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over to the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we're able to sing about you. We're able to exalt you. And Lord, we're able to know you. Lord, I pray that you use this time. Speak to our hearts. Pray the Holy Spirit would guide and direct and have his way in this service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We just read Psalm chapter number 27. And... The phrase, the Lord, is mentioned 10 times in this passage of Scripture alone, and over 600 times in, in the entirety of Scripture, the phrase, the Lord. And there's some other Scripture here, mostly in Psalm, but I'm going to continue to read some, some Scriptures that I had found that, that mention the word, the Lord. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is, sa- and is safe. Job 21 or 121 says, The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 24 7, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is king of glory. Selah. Psalm 2.11 says, Serve the Lord with fear 
and rejoice with trembling. Psalm 3, verse 4 says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. So um, Psalm 3, 8 says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Offer sacrifices of righteousness. Put your trust in the Lord. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. The Lord giveth strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And of course, Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tonight I just want to speak about the Lord. And isn't the Lord good? The Lord is merciful. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is long-suffering toward us. But I can't even begin to describe to you the Lord. It's just so magnificent. It's so incredible. It's so vast. Uh, it's, it, the list is inexhaust, inexhaustible. I would fall short of who he is, but I just want to look at three things tonight on, on uh, who the Lord is and what he can be in your life if you allow him to be. First of all, the Lord is your victory. The Lord is your victory. Look at verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? I don't know about you this evening, but the Lord is the light. Uh, he's not just an avenue of light. He's not just an avenue of hope. He is the light and the hope. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And um, the Bible says here, the Lord is my light. And this is David talking. We sing the song, Victory in Jesus, and believe in the thought of it, but is the Lord your victory tonight? Do you have the victory in the Lord? So because the Lord, um, one way that the Lord is our victory is he causes fear to cease. The Bible says the Lord is my light. You know, there's great fear in darkness. Great fear in darkness. I remember as a child, my mother or my father would tell me to go downstairs and grab something from the freezer. And you, you all know what I'm, where I'm getting at here. Uh, you go downstairs, and uh, it's, of course, it's dark down there. And the way that my basement was set up is we'd have to go down the stairs, and the switch was at the bottom of the stairs. And so when you're coming back up, you'd have to turn the light off first and then run up the stairs. Needless to say, I fell, I fell going up the stairs quite often because I was just booting it up there because I was just scared of the dark. And there's fear in dark. Uh, more crime seems to take place at nighttime rather than in the dark. Uh, it's harder to observe your surroundings in the dark. Do you remember as a child, uh, laying on your bed, you, you dare not have a limb uh, off of your bed. You dare not, you know what I'm saying? You dare not have your, your foot hanging off. You ever feel like a monster is going to come up and grab you. Everyone's looking at me like I, I, they don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But you do. You feel that, oh, I don't want to, I'm scared of the dark. You, you know, you get to thinking as a child, uh, you know, the, the coat rack becomes a monster. Uh, you know, just different things like that. David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? <clears throat> David was known as the light of Israel. There was a time in David's life where he was in battle and uh, he came a close call to be in, uh, be, being killed in battle. And uh, in Samuel, 2 Samuel 21, 17, it says, and Abishatha, the son of Zeruiah, 
secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more with us in the battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. Now they saw David, after a man after God's own heart. And they, they considered David the light of Israel. But David writes here in, in verse 1, The Lord, the Lord is my light. We need to be reflect, reflectors of God's light. When somebody sees your life and the things that you're doing for the Lord, just remember, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. What was David saying with that, with that term? The Lord is my light. The Lord casts out darkness. The Lord helps me see uh, what's around me. The Lord helps me observe my surroundings. David said, the Lord is my light. What is your light this morning or this evening? What's your light? You say, of course the Lord's my light. But what is that thing in your life? Is it the, I hope it's the Lord. But what if, it, if it's not, ask yourself this question. What am I relying on for satisfaction? What am I relying on for safety? What am I relying on for security? Whatever it may be, the missing gap needs to be the Lord. And if, you, if anything else comes into your mind at that time, make the Lord your victory. An example of, of the victory, the, the Lord being the victory, go over to Exodus chapter number 14, if you could. Exodus chapter number 14. Of course, we know that the children of Israel, Moses is sent to the children of Israel, and he is, he, he's got the children of Israel, and they are making an exit out of the land of bondage, Egypt. And they're on their way out, and it seems all good, and they're saying goodbye to slavery, and they're, they're, they're looking forward to the promised land. But look at Exodus 14 and verse 5, and it says this, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all of the chariots of Egypt and the captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, uh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out, or uh, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamping by the sea, beside Pihapharoth, uh, before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. So, I mean, the children of Israel are excited. Years and years had gone by of slavery, of not being treated as a human being, and they finally had the opportunity to, for freedom. And they're, they're marching out with a high hand, they're excited only uh, hours later to look behind them and to see all those chariots. Could you imagine, just imagine being there, 600 chariots? Uh, perhaps they could hear the horse's hooves. 
hit the ground. Perhaps they were so close they, they could hear almost a conversation of what the Egyptians were going to do to them when they got a hold of them. And uh, fear, we see here that the children of Israel were in a fearful situation. The enemy was pursu- pursuing behind them. They had no idea what was going to take place. Have you ever felt that way? And the enemy, my past, just keeps pursuing behind me. Uh, what I've done in the past or, or that enemy or the enemies that I've made of this life, they just keep uh, popping up. No matter where I go, the enemy was behind. And they were what they come to the Red Sea. And when they get to the Red Sea, they, there was a dead end up ahead. And they were somewhere in the middle. Have you ever felt that way? The enemy's behind me. There's a dead, what seems to be a dead end up ahead, and I'm just somewhere in the middle here. Lord, Lord, what, what are you going to do? Lord, help me. You can't really see what the next chapter is, and you're a little bit worried, and it seems like a dead end, but we know where, where, uh, when we get to that point in our life where there seems to be no way, God always makes a way. He all, he'll always open up an avenue uh, if it's his will to do it. Of course, we know uh, the rest of the story here. In verse 13, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show you today. And the Egyptians, whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them no more again forever. What a word of encouragement that is. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. So we got this enemy behind, pursuing. And they're not that far behind. And there's a dead end up ahead. They're somewhere in the middle. And Moses then says, fear ye not. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then the next thing that he says is he says this, stand still. Now that goes against every emotion every natural response that a human being would have when the enemy is behind. Stand still. No, you, you, you want to be getting ready. Maybe getting out your weapons. Uh, maybe trying to find an escape somehow. Maybe trying to do something. Maybe trying to, to, to do anything that you possibly can to not get killed by the enemy. But he says, stand still. What is he saying? What does that mean? Have faith. Have faith. Don't be afraid. Have faith. And then he says this. And see the salvation of the Lord. Expect God to do a work. If you will apply those three principles to your life as as you enter in the building every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time you're here throughout your week, if you will apply those um, principles to your life, don't be afraid, have faith, and expect God to do something, God will change your life. God would transform this place. God, God would revive us if we were willing to say, I'm not going to be afraid, whatever it may be in your life. I'm not going to be afraid of COVID. I'm not saying go out and get COVID. I'm just saying I can't, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to be fearful of what people think about the gospel. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to stand still. They had to stand still, by the way. I mean, don't move. In other words, God, God's got this one. God's taking care of this one. I don't want you, guys, I don't want you doing anything because God is about to do a work and see the salvation of the Lord. Expect God to do something. When we come into the church, is it just another Sunday? Or is it 
I'm expecting God to do something. I'm expecting God to speak to my heart today. I don't think necessarily we'd ought to just come to church to, to always get something from God. We'd ought to give. But we'd also ought to come with the, the spirit of, I'm expecting God to do something. When's the last time that you prayed for somebody to get saved in the service? Expect God to do something. Expect God to do a work. He said, the Lord shall fight for you. Don't be afraid. Have faith and expect God to do something and see the salvation of the Lord. But if we continue reading over to 30, uh, verse 31. Actually, we're gonna, let's go to 26, verse 26. So Exodus 14 and verse 26. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come up upon the Egyptians and upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. Oh, by the way, uh, about 10 years ago, they actually found Egyptian wheels, Egyptian chariots in the Red Sea. Buried in like just almost as if you know a wall of water came crashing. Almost as if that happened. They actually found that. Amen. <clears throat> and Mo, verse twenty-seven. Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all of Pharaoh and all of the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, they remained not so much as one of them. And verse 31 says this, And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now could you imagine the relief? The, the stress just... just, just went away when they when those waters came crashing down and they saw the Egyptians on the seashore dead. I mean the enemy was gone. The enemy was was obliterated. God can do that to your enemy. The enemy that has been pursuing you, the enemy that uh, in the past seems to be pursuing you and, and then there's a dead end of the house and you're just somewhere in the middle. God can can get rid of that enemy. But uh Look at chapter 15 and verse 1. It says this. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare him and inhabitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Does that kind of sound like Psalms chapter number 27? The first part of Psalms 27. The Lord is my strength and my song is, and has become my salvation. He is my God. You see, when we see God do something, we need to expect a God to do something. But when we see God do something, it solidifies who he is. He's our victory. He's our victory. Can't help but sing. Can't help but make him personal. Of course, when we think about victory, when we think about triumph, you got to think about Calvary. 
Jesus said three words that would change a dispensation of time. It is finished. And when he said it was finished, he gave up the ghost, and immediately the the earth quaked, and the veil was rent in two from the top to the bottom, signifying all can come. What a victory that day. We sing that song, Victory in Jesus. The victory is not in me, it's not in you, it's not in your coach. It's in Christ. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. So first of all, the Lord is our victory. Second of all, the Lord is our protection. The Lord is our protection. Look over to uh, Psalm 27 and verse 5. Psalm 27 and verse 5. It says, In the time of trouble... He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but whenever it rains, do you, you ever have that problem not having the umbrella? It's in the car, or maybe it's at home. You need that little source of protection, but it's nowhere to be found. It's no good at home, and it's no good at the car, in the car if you need it right now. And there's a time of trouble that is going to, sadly, it's going to take place. But are you in the point in your life where you could get to the pavilion? Sadly, some people, they don't have that resource. They don't know where to look in the time of trouble. They don't know where to go, a resource where to find. But the Lord uh, is so good to us, and he provides protection. And first of all, God's protection, the pavilion. The pavilion. For in a time, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Can you throw up that picture, brother judge? Now, a lot of you know, and you, you helped out with the trip to Peru a few years back, 2017 or 18, I believe it was. And uh, this is a village in Palcapa. And this was one of the, the highlights of the trip because we were able to go to the Amazon River and travel an hour down the, the river and find this uh, tribe, uh, this village in the middle of nowhere, no electricity, no running water. It was, it was missions at its finest. And uh, this uh, Brazilian uh, missionary had gone into this village, uh, penetrated the village with the gospel, is training a, a, a up a, a pastor to pastor this village. Uh, but the, these guys were, were something like you'd see on TV back uh, you know, in the Amazon, if you could imagine. They would wear the, the, the barely any clothing. They were making their own alcohol. They were, they were making their own drugs. Now they got saved. They're no longer doing those things anymore. They're, they're dressed properly now. But this is, I guess, considered a rainforest. And we decided we had a tent. We decided we're going we're gonna to camp out in the middle of this 
what you're looking at right now, this road. Now, this is a dead end, so there's, no, there's, no, there's not even any cars in this area. Um, so we decided we're going we're gonna to tent, tent it right in the middle there. It seems good. It seems uh, safe. Until one of the fellas told us, you better, better move your tent. I said, looks like a clear night out. It looks pretty good. He said, no, you, you better move it. There's a pavilion just over, over there. You, you, better, you better move it. So we did, we did as he said. And then let's see the other, the other picture there. So that's the road. Now, the road that you were looking at was now all that wa- where all that water is. Now, that's a couple feet deep. Now, I am so glad. I, we're above a pavilion right now. I am so glad that there was a pavilion. I, you've never seen it rain until you've been to the Amazon. The heavens opened up. The, the rains came down and the floods came up. I mean, it was, it was bad. Now, could you imagine if we were in the middle of that uh, road? It was swept away. Uh, it, but we were in a four-person tent. I don't know who designed that number. Four, it is, we had Caesar. We had uh, Henry, Christopher, Weens, and myself. We didn't all fit in that tent. We had to kick Caesar out. He slept in one of the huts. Uh, but even that, it was smushed. Now, I, I think you know where I'm going with this. Not a single drop got on us because we were under the pavilion. And when the storms come in life, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. When the hard times come in life, we have a resource to go to. We have a pavilion. We have a protection. We have a secure, as we heard, a solid foundation. We have that pavilion. And David knew what it was like when he said in verse 5, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. There's a lot of different pavilions you could go to in life. There's the pavilion of perhaps trusting in your spouse. There's the pavilion of finances, of whatever it may be. But we need to get under the Lord's pavilion. Sometimes we crawl to that pavilion, don't we? The Lord breaks us. The Lord sends something our way that gets us on our knees and we come crawl into that pavilion. But when we get to the pavilion, we're protected. But when we get to that pavilion, we're protected. We notice another thing, the presence, the presence of God. And continue on reading verse 5. It says, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Oh, Lord, I need your protection. I need your help. You get to that you get to that pavilion. You get to that protection. And then in that pavilion, in that place of protection, you find the very near presence of God like you've never found it before in that hard time. You, you find out what it means when Paul says in, in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. There's that time when we go through the hard times where there's that fellowship and suffering under the pavilion, in the tabernacle. The tabernacle. No one of old would dare enter into the most holy for fear of death, nor would the enemy pursue the child of God in this place. We need to be people that seek the presence of God, that long for the presence of God, of God. If we would even look at verse 8, when thou saidest, Seek ye my face, 
my, faith, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. To be in the spot in our life where we can hear that voice, to, to align our lives, uh, to be the people that seek God's presence, are you setting time aside for the Lord? How do we get to that spot where we know the presence of God, where we seek the presence of God, where the presence of God in our life is so real? Are we aligning our lives where God wants to meet with us? Are we seeking, are we giving time for the presence of God? Sometimes we could take the presence of God for granted in our life. Turn to Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28. Of course, we know Isaac, or we, uh, we know that Isaac wanted a wife for Jacob, and he sends him back home to get one. And as he's on his travel back home to northern Mesopotamia, he, t- he, he camps out, and the Lord gives him a dream. And in verse 16 of Genesis 28, it says, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, And said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew not of it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew not of it. Do we know that the Lord is in this place? Amen, we do. But may we never get to the point in our Christian lives that the Lord showed up, but I didn't know. The Lord was there. Sending revival, but I, I didn't know. A person across the room, he, he seems the Lord's meeting with him, but I know not of it. May we long for the Lord's presence in our life. Verse 20, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I will come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Uh, Jacob also, he, he knew that he was unaware of God's presence and he wanted to fix it. Jacob didn't want to remain a person unaware of God's presence. Now, reading this passage of scripture, if you look at it at a glance, you could almost interpret it such as uh, he's saying, well, if you do this for me, God, and if you do that for me, God, then I will make you my Lord. But I don't think that was his heart, and I don't think that was his spirit at the time. I think that he, he was a person that said, Lord, I need your presence in order to move forward. <clears throat> if God be with me, he said. So the Lord, we're talking about the Lord. We're talking about victory. He is our victory. He's our protection. But God's power goes on to say, if you can go back to Psalms 27 and verse 5, the latter part of verse 5 says, and he shall set me up upon a rock. You know, we're, we're living in very uncertain times. Very uncertain times. We don't know what the future holds. We know who holds the future. But we are living, some of you older folks perhaps even, I'm young, but this is the most uncertain time that I've had, but I'm young. Maybe some of you older folks, this is probably some of the most uncertain times of, of your life, or it is the most uncertain time as far as the economy, as far as what's going to take place, as far as what's happening in the future. And people 
This, this world is just it's becoming more evident, more evident that it's just sinking sand. But we have a rock. We have a, a sure foundation. We have a place that we could set our feet on and, and not sink uh, when all the world around us is falling and crumbling. We're on Christ. We're on the rock. Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. This rock is Christ, and this rock is so powerful that even hell and all of its power can't stop the church. It can't prevail. It can't stop the church. I want to remind you that the devil can't stop the church. The government can't stop the church. No power uh, in this world can stop the church because we're under Christ. They say, oh, yeah, they can shut the doors. They can't stop the church. They can't stop the church. And lastly, verse 6, the Lord is your praise. So you get to the pavilion. You crawl to the pavilion. Perhaps you willingly go to the pavilion. You get to that place of protection. When you're under that place of protection, you find the very near presence of God. When you find the very near presence of God, you then can praise the Lord full-heartedly. Verse 6, And now shall my head be lifted above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. See, we want it the other way around. We want to feel like we can conquer the world and then conquer the world. We want to be able to feel that we can overcome our enemies before we can overcome our enemies. But God says, no, it gets you to the pavilion. Get you to the place of protection. When you're in the place of protection, find my near presence. And when you have found my near presence, then your head will be lifted above your, your enemies. You'll be able to rejoice. You'll be able to, to sing. You'll be able to willingly offer up your praise to the Lord. And by way of conclusion, look at verse 13. This is David speaking. He said, I had fainted. I had given, in other words, I had given up, I just thrown in the towel. I'd waved the, the white banner and, and declared defeat. I'd have just quit. Uh, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, he didn't see the goodness of the Lord at this point. He didn't, he didn't, the, this chapter in his life, he, he couldn't see the next chapter. He, 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 he couldn't see how, how good God was working at the time. No, it was a hard time for him. But he said, I had believed to see. You see how important your faith is? I had fainted. That was the thing that kept him held together. David, a man after God's own heart. I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then in verse 14, he just ends it off with weight on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Verse 1, it starts with the Lord is my light. And verse 14 ends with the Lord. I say, wait on the Lord. The Lord, what is he to you today? Is he your victory? Is he your protection? Is he your praise? If not, he needs to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We ask and pray, Lord, that we would learn to find your presence, your very near presence. We ask, God, that you would speak to hearts, you'd deal with, with people as you'd see fit. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here that's not saved, that they would 
Make that decision, Lord, to, to trust you, to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.